Hi, and welcome to Wellness with Lana. I'm Lana, your realistic wellness bestie, here to discuss everything from nutrition and fitness to mental health and fun. Join me every weekend for an episode that is entertaining, educational, and can help you become the best version of yourself. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you decided to click on and listen in. If you are new, an extra special welcome to you. Whether you find me through social media or just scrolling through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you are here for a reason. You are in the right place at the right time. If you are returning, as always, hugs and kisses. I'm so proud of this little community just growing of wellness boss babes trying to become the best versions of themselves. So definitely be sure to follow this podcast, give it a rating, give it a review, share it to whoever might really like it, and also follow all of my socials. Everything is linked down below. So first, let's set the mood. So currently, it's 7.46 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Now, this is really different from when I normally record podcasts since I generally record them after work at like 7 p.m. on Saturdays, but today was just weird in a sense of like I slept in a bit and then like I just know time-wise I didn't have enough time to really go for a proper run, so I just decided to run after work, which meant like my breakfast was at a different time. Like everything was a little topsy-turvy today, but honestly, that's okay. Sometimes you know, especially as someone who does have OCD, being out of schedule is a little bit of a stretch, but it is always good to just test yourself and make sure that you are comfortable getting off of your schedule. Yes, it is 7.40 a.m. and I'm currently just sitting in the basement now recording. I record in a lot of different areas. I just don't record in my room since generally it's pretty loud up there. A high of this week is probably that it is spring break next week. I mean, we literally, our spring break started yesterday, which was really nice because that means I don't have to like work so hard when it comes to school and whatnot. I just have a break and I've felt like a lot of students are also burnt out. I was talking to some of my classmates and they also were complaining that, I don't know, I felt like this semester a lot of people were pretty burnt out and just sick and tired of everything. So this spring break was really needed. And a low of this week is probably that I just felt really, I felt really like icky on Tuesday and Monday. I just think that, I don't know, maybe it was the weather. I just didn't feel like I had energy. I didn't feel um, like I was doing anything productive. I just felt like scrolling through my phone, which isn't good because I also had to study for midterms. Um, And I pushed through, but you know, sometimes you have those like days that like you just don't want to do anything productive. And you know, sometimes those lazy days are necessary, but sometimes you definitely need to also kick yourself into high gear and be like, I know emotionally I want to chill, but you know, logically I really have to get things done. Okay, so I recently read The Mountain Is You by Brianna West. The book went over self-sabotage, why we do it, and how to stop. And reading that book gave me a lot of insight on destructive patterns and behaviors that I've been doing as well. I honestly think that like everyone has a little bit of self-sabotage in their lives and some self-destructive habits. Whether that is crippling social anxiety, imposter syndrome, or just not keeping promises to yourself, here is how to stop self-sabotage. Alrighty, so I think the first step is understanding yourself and feeling out your thoughts. I think when you first look at the self-sabotaging habits and behaviors, write them out write them or just notice them, speak it into the universe, figure out what they are. 
And these observations should be very factual. Don't put any emotions in this. Just write out the things that you do and the things that you want to necessarily stop. For example, for me, I have a lot of imposter syndrome and I constantly notice that my mind is trying to convince myself that I can't do something and that tends for me to reach for my phone, to procrastinate, to avoid getting started, leading to procrastination and the fear to take risks and just start something. So I think it's very hard to be honest with yourself because you have to write down everything that you do wrong. It is extremely uncomfortable but required. And you have to admit the self-sabotaging habits, beliefs, and behaviors. I think when you're able to look at what you do and notice a pattern, notice that, okay, when I get really stressed, I am angrier and I pretty much destroy my relationships. Or when I get offended in a relationship, I completely block them out and I don't tell them what they did wrong. I just completely block them out. That is something I also do. And that is a self-sabotaging behavior because... It's, my, it's just destroying the relationships that I have in my life. Um, it's not necessarily about the other person. It's more towards you. So, you know, other behaviors that I do and I'm trying to stop. So one is more like fidgety, but I used to really pick my cuticles and nails. Anytime I was stressed, being stressed or bored was a trigger for that. Um, and, you know, I had to find other coping mechanisms. And then on top of that, just like you know, the other things that, you know, I, I did used to really stress eat and I did um, overexercise and become addicted to exercise. So there were a lot of things that I did um, as self-sabotaging behaviors. And I think when you are able to look at your life and look at the patterns that you had in your life and you're able to very honestly and clearly say, you know, these were my issues and this is what I want to fix, then the entire game changes. I think be aware of how you talk to yourself. So it's it might not just be physical self-sabotaging behaviors. It might not just be, I don't know, overeating. It might not be picking your cuticles. It might not be isolating yourself from relationships. It could definitely be mental. And whatever you say to yourself, you subconsciously believe. So I really feel like if you believe something, even if you don't like say it out loud, it literally comes true. Where I know some people in my life who are 100% convinced that they're ugly. I Literally, I I have no words for that because I personally don't believe any one person is ugly. There's beauty in every single thing and person, but they are 100% convinced that they don't look good. And so they obviously spend extra time on their hair and their skincare and everything else in their outfits, but like they already look good. It just, they subconsciously believe that they don't. And I think the more they repeat that to other people around them, kind of as a joke, like, I don't look good or something, then the more almost becomes true, where I feel like in front of my eyes, these, this person is just becoming uglier and uglier, because that's what they convince themselves that they are. And so I feel like whatever you are subconsciously believing in yourself, it happens just like imposters. You know, if I believe that I don't belong in a certain class or in a certain room or getting a certain award or even having this podcast, then that will lead for me to subconsciously believe that I'm not worthy of that. And then that could actually detriment other parts of my life, such as relationships, because then I'll start looking at relationships and be like, oh, well, I don't deserve this relationship as well. So that's also something that I think everyone can consider. Next is feeling out your thoughts. So before you start confusing spur of the moment versus actual thoughts, let's break them down. Because I think that 
in any situation, you have kind of the spur of the moment thoughts or like the actual thinking behind those thoughts. So the book, The Mountain Is You, talked about the two main thought types, which is intuition and intrusive thoughts. So intuition thoughts are logical and they come very quickly. Intuition are things that you have gained from experiences and events. Intuition makes you motivated and wants to act. So when you have intuition, it might not be always positive. I think that's what I think people really get confused is you might intuitively feel like this person is just not a good person. And I think when you listen to that and you embrace that and it's not like, oh, I don't like their, you know, I don't like their clothing. I don't like their face. Like whatever you don't like about that person, maybe they're just really mean. But I think deep down we've all like met someone that like just something just was off with this person and you trusted that like that is your intuition. It comes very quickly. There's not it's it's intuition. It just comes quickly. It comes naturally. And it is very hard to listen to. But I will go into later on how to listen to your intuition. I think, you know, speaking of intuition, like in like our ancestors definitely used intuition for like running away from if like they felt like there was like a predator around them, then they like ran away. And most of the time they were right. So I think just biologically, we're wired to have intuition. And intrusive thoughts are heavily related to fear. There's a lot of what ifs and a lot of discomfort and failure. So unlike intuition, intrusive thoughts make you spiral out of control emotionally and create self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So for example, like me, if you're scared to do bad on a school or work project and you constantly put it off, because you put it off, you start the project too late and you end up not doing well at all. And then your mind rewires the project with your self-worth and ability saying that you did bad because you can't do good, not because you procrastinated. So I think this is very true for a majority of people is like there are certain things that we do that we end up spiraling. Like, I don't know, let's pretend that I texted a friend and they never texted me back. Well, intuitively, they could have, you know, lost their phone. They could just, I don't know, not have cell service. Maybe they decided to take a break from their phone or from social media, wherever I decided to message them. But intrusively, I start blaming me. What if it's my fault? I'm a bad friend. What did I do? Maybe they're a horrible person. Like, like I go through all these spirals and then I'm always like, I remember that in the back of my mind when I meet them next. And I think it really hinders relationships from progressing, relationships from doing well, because like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of what happened. So I think knowing your thoughts, feeling them out, if there are voices in your head telling you something and they always are, you know, trying to note something about someone or a situation, feel them out. So where are those emotions coming from? Where are those feelings coming from? Are they logical and come very quickly or do they spiral and get worse and worse and worse? So I think it's definitely practice to understand, okay, is this very logical and intuitive or is this very intrusive and emotional? Like those are two kind of sides of your brain And I know some people might be like, well, your emotions are part of your brain. Of course they are. It's okay to have emotions. But are you tying certain things, certain habits, certain actions to those emotions? Because if you do, that is where self-sabotage starts to occur. Number two is release your emotions and past self. So once you understand your thoughts and you wrote them down and you wrote down all your habits, it's a lot easier to reframe those thoughts and habits. So after you write down everything, 
you have to get to the root cause now. So when you feel fear or imposter syndrome or anxiety or something that is just getting worse and worse and worse, those intrusive thoughts, really ask why. Get into the emotion and understand, am I stressed because of an exam? Is there a relationship problem going on? Are there many problems going on at the same time? Like sometimes there are multiple problems going on. So just a fair warning that getting to the root of this, you know, self-sabotage behavior, it really will make you emotional. Sometimes you cry and sometimes you scream and you're angry and you need to let the emotion out to see the root cause of that self-sabotaging behavior. Just, of course, not on others. I don't know, however, you like to release emotion best. For me, I lift, I exercise, like that's how I release emotion. Other people do other things. But when you get to the root cause of a lot of your self-sabotaging behaviors and beliefs, I think you start to notice a pattern and you start to understand where they came from. And it's really painful, actually, to release, you know, old experiences, your old self. I think it's a lot of inner child work, too, where you are trying to understand, like, what did what did my younger child want that I didn't get? And so now I carry that almost trauma throughout the rest of my life. So if you are always self-sabotaging relationships and you feel like you aren't worthy enough to have a friendship or whatever else, is that because as a kid, you didn't have a good relationship with your parents? Is it because as a kid, you didn't have a good relationship with friends? Like you need to really get to the root cause of why you might be self-sabotaging your current relationships. For me, I know that relationships are something very tricky for me. And it was more towards, I think, school that a lot of friendships just ended up shattering. I got hurt a lot. And that makes me a really closed off person. I think when people first meet me, they think I'm really open. And I tell them a lot of just like weird details. But that's the surface level for me. There's a lot of like, I'm a I'm an onion. Like there's a lot of layers you have to peel. And so like on the surface, you might think I'm telling you everything. But in reality, I'm only telling you about like 2% of my life. So um, I think I'm very closed off secretly and I don't think people notice that because I've been hurt so much in the past and that also makes me not feel worthy of having friendships or it makes me feel like I'm never going to have friends because I've had bad experiences in the past so that's the root cause my self-sabotaging behavior that I wrote out is you know relationships friendships aren't aren't happening they're always constantly being destroyed by me and the root cause is of what happened in the past and so releasing your old self is very emotional and I think reconnecting with your inner child is allowing them to communicate with you. It is how you can rediscover your inherent desires, your passions, your fears, your feelings. It is where you can really find the root cause. And I mean, the friendship experiences that I've had that were bad were when I was a kid. And I don't think people realize that you hold on to a lot of stuff when you grow up. And I think because of that, it it's making me closed off now. Other people, for example, might be totally fine with friendships, but maybe they really struggle with their self-worth. Maybe they always had like a parent or a sibling or someone always commenting on their self-worth or that, you know, they're worth nothing. You, they got a bad grade, something like there are a lot of things and factors that can go into your self-sabotaging behavior. Sometimes it's past your childhood. Sometimes it's your teenage years or um, your early 20s. Like there are so many different areas of your life where you can really start to like where like a seed is planted and then it grows into the self-sabotaging behavior so find the seeds after releasing your past self and really starting to heal your inner child start building your emotional intelligence so emotional intelligence is the ability to understand interpret and respond to your emotions in an enlightened and healthy way 
People with high emotional intelligence are often able to better get along with different types of people. They feel more contentment and satisfaction in their everyday lives and constantly take time to process and express their authentic feelings. So through emotional intelligence, I feel like the most important part of it is the ability to interpret the sensations that come up in your body and understand what they're trying to tell you about your life. So, you know, we did talk about intuition versus intrusive thoughts, like intuitive versus intrusive thoughts. Intuitive is very logical and it's very like it comes quickly. Intrusive thoughts spiral and they're very emotionally driven. So those two thoughts, once you found the root cause, keep finding the root cause for all of those self-sabotaging behaviors. Like think of all of your, you know, emotions and thoughts and feelings as a tree. Go through every single branch and see where it leads. Go back from the tip of the branch, the leaf, the behavior, the thought. Go all the way down to the root of the tree, the seed. Where where did it start? Where is it rooting from? And I think when you do that to all of your patterns, all of your emotional patterns, all of your beliefs, you are better able to build your emotional intelligence. You're able to sit and be like, I'm feeling really anxious right now. And it is because of, I have an exam tomorrow and, you know, I'm having a problem with a friendship. And on top of that, I'm very burnt out with work and school. Three reasons I'm able to logically say, here's why I'm stressed. What are my, what are my self-sabotaging behaviors? I might, you know, stress eat. I might overexercise. I might do all the other of coping strategies that I tend to do. And once I think you are able to really look at that and keep doing it, it becomes easier and easier. Where now I'm able to better say, you know, on Tuesday, I was pretty much having a panic attack. I took an exam. It I didn't, it didn't go well. And I was pretty much having a panic attack. But I have the emotional intelligence now to sit down and be like, I need to meditate. I don't feel good. I don't feel good due to this exam and due to other factors in my life. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to breathe. And I'm going to work through this. Yes, build your emotional intelligence. It definitely gets easier. It's a practice that you have to do, but it really helps. Number four is start setting clear goals. Visualize your future self as well. So I think when you are able to see who you want to be tomorrow and by the end of the year or in 10 years and so on, start embodying your ideal future self. So yes, of course, you're healing your inner child, but you're also releasing your inner child in a sense of, you are letting all of that negative thoughts, those negative experiences go. And I think once you do that, you are able to look and visualize your future self. Like, who do you want to be in the future? Where does, where does, where does she live? Where, where do you, where do you want to go to work? Maybe you don't want to work. Where do you, what do you want to eat? What, what is, what does her morning routine look like? I think all of these questions are really good to ask yourself. And once you go through the root cause of all of these self-sabotaging behaviors and really release them and work on them, of course, the behaviors might come up again if you're triggered by stress or anxiety or whatever. But once you have the emotional intelligence to deal with them, then you're able to better visualize yourself. And I think not a lot of wellness podcasts talk about this. We're like, they say like, visualize your highest self and show up as her. Well, how can I visualize my highest self if I'm still hindered by my past self? If I'm still hindered by my past behaviors and beliefs and habits, like how can I visualize her and try to be her if I literally can't release my old self? So first release your old self, then come and visualize your highest self and really embody them. Through it all though, don't forget about compassion and self-care. Releasing your bad self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors are coming face-to-face with your inner child and it's a very hard and not linear process. 
you may have to backtrack sometimes and that's okay. I think one of the things that I really had to work through over the past year is I had to release my inner child from like three years ago when the eating disorder started. Like there are, there were a lot of emotions that came into recovering and I think a lot of people can relate to blocking out emotions just to physically survive. I had to pretty much ignore anorexia for an entire year just so I could put on weight, just so I could become healthy again. So on the outside, you look at like my social media and you're like, oh my gosh, she recovered, she gained all this weight, she's happy, she even has like a, she even has an eating disorder recovery journal. But yes, I had to ignore my emotions to get better. And I think a lot of people have to end up ignoring, you don't want to eat, I'm sorry, you have to eat. Like, that's what happens in eating disorder recovery. And so I think over the past couple of months, I've had to really backtrack and pretty much come face to face with an eating disorder. And I wasn't able to come face to face because I had to physically survive. But now that I have not only the mental and the mental strength to overcome it, but also the physical strength, I'm able to come face to face and be like, here is what you, how you treated me. Here's how the eating disorder lied to me. I was not able to do that when I first started healing. I think releasing your old self can be a very, very long and lengthy process. It does not come easily. Sometimes it comes after so many years of working on something, on working on your healing journey and everything, but eventually it will happen. Be compassionate. If you backtrack in your healing journey and releasing your past self, that's okay. It's not linear. And I think if you release that stress and anxiety you're putting on yourself for it to be linear, you will just feel so much better. Hi, Wellness Bestie. I just wanted to let you know that the Healed Eating Disorder Recovery Journal has just been launched by me. I created the journal that I wished I had during my eating disorder recovery. It is 75 days of empty meal plans to make sure you are fueling your body. Water trackers, emotional check-ins, intuitive eating training, different daily recovery challenges, journal prompts, along with weekly chat sessions where I answer commonly asked questions about eating disorder recovery. You can purchase it by clicking the link below. It is affordable, but to make sure it's even more affordable, use the code WELLNESSWITHLANAPOD, all caps and no spaces, to get an extra 20% off. Let's get back into the episode. Okay, so tip number five is learn to work with your mind, not control it. So I think if you're trying to control every single thought or feeling in your mind, you are harming yourself. Work with your mind. Know yourself, know your emotions, know your responses. If you tend to drift away from relationships because you don't feel worthy, tell your friends for them not to allow you to cancel or flake on plans. Sometimes working with others to defeat these self-sabotaging behaviors really help. Along with working with your mind, I highly recommend meditating. So when you meditate, the whole point of it is you're trying not to control your mind. You're just noting emotions, knowing feelings, knowing thoughts, and letting them go. You notice that they just float in your mind sometimes, and that's okay. The whole point of meditation is to look at that emotion, look at that thought non-judgmentally, and release it. I like to do guided meditations using the Headspace app for 5 to 10 minutes. This is not sponsored, but I just really like that app. And also, if you are a college student, you get a pretty hefty discount. So definitely check that out. This is also called non-attachment. Release the control and somehow you are able to control you and your mind better than ever. 
I think releasing this control really helps. And I think when you're trying not to control your mind, it's just easier to control your mind. I think when you don't focus so much on something, things just end up happening. I don't know the science behind it, but I know that that's what happens. I hope you loved this episode. Here is a quick review of the steps that I mentioned on defeating self-sabotage. Step number one is understanding yourself and feeling out your thoughts. Write out your self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors. Step number two is release your emotions and past self, along with doing inner child work. Step number three is start building your emotional intelligence. Step number four is start setting at clear goals. Visualize your future self as well. And then step number five is to learn to work with your mind and not control it. So before I end the episode, let's do a quick Q&A with Lana. If you want me to answer anything at the end of my podcast, make sure to DM me or on Saturdays, I always have a story on my socials allowing you to write in the question. This week's question is, is 40 grams of fat enough? Okay, okay, okay. I'm not like a huge macro counter, but I like I know pretty much nutrition. I read a lot of books, and honestly, I would say that you can definitely up your fat intake. You don't need to count it meticulously, but increasing your fat intake can really help just improve your hormones and your metabolism, and it just makes you feel fuller and more satiated. Healthy fats are so good for your brain, your hair, your nails, and everything else. So add in more avocado, more nuts, more seeds, more olive oil. Do things that will make your body feel absolutely incredible. I think when you're trying to eat too little fat, um, your hair can fall out, your hormones are out of whack, and there's just a lot of issues. So definitely try and increase that fat intake because gorgeous girlish girls love to eat healthy fat. Be sure to follow this podcast and give it a rating and a review, along with all of my socials by clicking the link in the bio. Also, remember that the Healed Digital Eating Disorder Recovery Journal is also linked in the bio, and you can use the code wellness with Lana Pod, all caps and no spaces, for an extra 20% off. I love you. You are so powerful, and I believe in you. Have a fantastic day.